0: All right, let's talk about video. You know you need it. You know it's all but expected at this point from Generation Z. But you've got little time, you've got next to no budget, and your Marcom department is already two months late on those new program brochures they promised you. So asking them to help with a video, forget it. But what a video could be as simple as sending an email to a prospective student? Meet this week's sponsor, GoodKind. GoodKind is a video engagement platform designed to make each one of your prospects feel like they're getting the extra special treatment. As an enrollment manager, you're competing for attention, and in a sea full of static HTML emails from other schools, a personalized video is how you stand out. It's how you make a difference. With GoodKind, you can bring your university, faculty, and students to life by designing an engaging, hyper-personalized, and video-first communications journey through email, texting, and even WhatsApp. Increase applications, increase yield, and decrease melt with the power of Goodkind. Visit www.wearegoodkind.com forward slash enrollify to start your free trial. Show your face, show you care, see the difference connection makes at wearegoodkind.com forward slash enrollify. Again, that's wearegoodkind.com forward slash enrollify. Welcome to Fanatical Fridays, a weekly podcast where I sit down with Mickey Baines, a principal at Kennedy and Company, which is a higher education consulting firm, to discuss the traits, the strategies, and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. I'm Zach Boozy Cruz, founder here at Enrollify. Enjoy the show. Well, folks, summer sessions have officially arrived, and we are kicking today's episode off with a fantastic, and I'm sure it will be an entertaining, presentation uh, from Mickey Baines. Hey, Mickey. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Zach. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Um, I I, I had my first cup of coffee just... 10 minutes ago, which is a little late for me. So I feel like my brain is still waking up a little bit. But um, okay, I'm looking forward to this because this next, you know, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it ends up being, this is going to be like two cups of caffeine um, at a minimum. Uh, two I'd cups say of so.
1: So <laughs> I just finished my third cup. Oh, so, okay. Well,
0: there we go. There yeah. we go.
1: Uh, and, and I don't take breaks between cups. So, you know, I'm I'm sitting on a lot of caffeine right now. Well great, great. Um
0: all right Mickey, what are we,
1: what are we talking about today? Well, this is uh the first session of of summer sessions, so this is virtual opportunities in a post-pandemic world. Uh Zach, have, did you ever take when you were in college, did you ever take a summer course? I actually
0: did. I took two or three. Um I think bo- uh one was in person. I took an enca- uh, an accounting class in person. It was brutal. It was like uh Oof. 1 3 hour, you know, class twice a week or something like that it was like a tuesday mm-hmm. tuesday and thursday nights from you know four to seven p.m or something like that um yep. and then
1: i took the other two online okay what did you think about the summer versus the the normal
0: so actually when it came to accounting so i i was a I was a little bit everyone at school complained about accounting i was in the, the business school um and Everyone was like, oh, gosh, you people like if you get if you can walk out of there with a C like you're awesome and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't go to like an incredibly competitive school or anything, but everyone just always complained about accounting. So I was a little bit like, oh, gosh, okay, well, you know, I I never loved math. I was an okay math student, but never loved it. This is going to be really, really hard. And I took it over the summer. And to be totally candid with you, Mickey. It was awesome. Like I, I felt like because of just how the accounting curriculum is structured, it was really helpful to like have it super super condensed um, and learn a ton in you know six hours a week and then take a test and move on to the next you know uh, module. So I I actually really really loved it. Um, and then my online summer sessions, my online summer courses that I took, they they were asynchronous, which I also loved because you know it was flexible and worked around my schedule. So. All in all, even though a lot of people have complained about summer session and summer school over the years, I've had a great experience of of summer higher ed uh, classes.
1: Awesome. I um, I took a couple. Let, let me ask you. Did you? Let's Let's be real. You can, no one can hold it against you now. Did you take that accounting course in the summer to hope that it was easier?
0: Of course, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> let's be real. Sure. Eighty percent of students are doing it that way. The other twenty percent are just trying to catch up. <laughs> um, I did the same thing with one of our um, required um, core courses in our in, in our major. I was theater undergrad and in one of the courses, most of those especially those who majoring in theater whose focus was performance um, was stagecraft. and it was almost like you know work wood shop you know in high school you have like the like we used to call it shop yeah. um, now i think it 's called like technical education but um, it was a lot like that. And most students really struggled in it. And so I waited till the main professor was on sabbatical. And not only did I take it with the instructor who was taking over during sabbatical, but also did it in the summer uh, for double E's. Hmm. And so, but I, I will, I, I found that the summer courses were a a little more laid back, but B, and this is going to be, um, you know, uh, maybe con a, contradictory term but it's uh laid back but more intense yeah yeah it's more Uh, because you've got that yes yeah yes so so let's just call this condensed and intense what we're going to jump into because i'm going to fly through a bunch of stuff quickly um and i'm going to point out some things i'm going to give us some context and then i'm going to give some ideas um for folks so they can take a walk away Love, so, it, love it. Let's uh, condensed go. Condensed and intense. Condensed right. and intense. So, our new tagline. Uh, which is why, see, that's a good segue when we talk about summer courses and how we're jumping in. And all right, so we got it all tied together. So, I want to hit on four things today. Uh, I want to be sure for the context piece, let's talk a little bit about what happened. Uh, and how it led to some of the things we've done over the past 15 months. Let's talk about bright spots. I want to talk about ideas that we see in action, uh, meaning what I'm seeing that may be different to you uh, that you've not seen or thought about. And then I want to talk about how we can take other ideas um, that we have already used and expand on it. And that's how we're going to talk about um, this this component. So first, uh, let's talk about disruption um, because um, I think Disruption is a I like the word disruption um i because I think when you hear it it you perk up because it it's when you look at a scale uh, of when you talk about change when you say disrupt it means a little more turmoil uh, a little more mixing things up uh, and I think it's still a dramatic understatement of what everyone's kind of faced over the past fifteen months but but but, when I think about disruption and I think about what we 've been doing, it reminded me a lot of uh, of watching my younger daughter hmm. uh, and i and I had this experience with both of my daughters, but when I' was a little older now, but um, as a child, I could see them act without fear hmm. um, they were There were so many things they were willing to do that they didn't have any fear about that would scare the hell out of me as the parent. Um, or even if I was to do it for myself, it might scare me. I want to think. I understand the caution behind it. I understand the impact of taking that action, and sometimes I don't. But as a child, they don't really see that, know it, and they just go and do. And 99.8% of the time, do so without any real negative impact. To them. They don't get hurt. They have a little more fun. And now I'm starting to see my older daughter, who's who's a teenager now, starting to hesitate, to think, and it is a learned behavior. And that has happened to us as all humans as we grow in age. Um, But professionally, when we see something that works, we like to stick with it. And now this was our opportunity to act like a child, Mm. to create change without that fear, because we had no choice but to make change over this pandemic. And and let's talk about some of the results that we're seeing, not just on our actions, but let's talk about enrollment results because we've talked about that on this podcast a few times. But I was just reading this morning uh, an article from Inside Higher Ed that was looking at spring enrollment. And then what they're saying is spring enrollment dipped further than fall enrollment dipped when we look fall to fall or spring to spring. And what we already know was that community colleges were hit harder than four-year schools. But what we're seeing now is they are down almost 10%. Wow. Wow. We're seeing, um, you know, when you look at populations, again, not a surprise, but um, I think it's important we pointed out, underserved populations, men, both two groups of students that are um, not Persisting or not enrolling in larger scale than other students. And what it means to me, because as we talk about our clients, we've got some clients, by the way, who are doing really, really well that have record breaking applications. Yeah. And a lot of those are the larger, more selective institutions. And what that means to me is that there's a growing divide between the haves and the have-nots. And the have-nots doesn't just mean community colleges because you're, some of these folks listening now might be working at small private institutions that are part of that have-not. And when I say have-not, I mean folks that typically have um, rolling admissions who have to work every day of the year to ensure that they're making their class and not necessarily say, Hey, today's May 2nd, I'm shifting what I'm doing to focus on this activity for my fall class. No May 2nd means I've got to continue what I was doing on May 1 and also pick up doing what everybody else is doing post deposit day. And so when I'm looking at those, there's a growing divide. Yeah. Yeah. And my point of bringing this to our attention is to say, Hey, this problem is not going away for another two years. We might be physically back next year in most places, but that doesn't mean the problem's going away because when you look at your prospective student population now for fall 2022, you probably have fewer inquiries than you did before. And some of the activities that you may do to quickly spruce that number up, i.e. buying a list, doesn't give you the same level of engagement for the people in your pipeline. yeah, And so you have to continue to craft more experiences to take that inflated, less interested group of prospective students to get them to convert or go about your more traditional, and I'm using air quotes so people can visualize it for themselves, your more traditional outlets, you have to expedite that work and really take advantage of any interest someone shows through those efforts to catch them back up in the enrollment cycle. Because if you generate a rising senior, if you generate interest from a rising senior today, last year you probably, or in a non-pandemic world, you probably would have generated that interest last February or March. And so what you did between March and July to get them interested to take an action, which may be a tour to campus, now you have to start from scratch now and very quickly get them in to, to take that action to get to campus
0: so uh as you as you're talking just a a couple quick questions like one of the things that i've been thinking about that i think is is sort of like in the same spirit is as schools as the the have nots as you're calling them um lose maybe some of their their differentiators or they lose some of their ability to um to you know, uh, flex a, a UVP in this world where f- folks are are going uh, digital course offerings, right? Uh, well, you know they'll they'll change. Fo- you know, most fo- folks, as you as you've already mentioned, will come back. A lot of classes will resume in person, but I do think that there will still be hi- hybrid offerings, and we'll see sort of like this continued increase in sort of like digital course offerings, asynchronous course offerings, etc. Like, do you think? Like this is a moment for the have nots to really think critically and hard about how do we how do we stand out right with we have fewer resources than than the haves. And maybe this this pandemic is really a a moment of truth for, okay what are we going to do that is genuinely different, that is genuinely distinct? Otherwise, we will go extinct. Or I guess
1: what's what's the solution here? I love that. We got an opportunity to be distinct, or we go extinct. I like it uh, the way you play with words there. Um, absolutely, and I'm hoping that folks do that, um, and that that's opportunity. You know, I, you know, I, I don't like. I'm I'm hesitant to say this because it's not like there's some type of um, vision or insight I had that no one had. But I wanted back in 2007 or eight um, to include in. Curriculum at my institution where I was working, I want I, I wanted the requirement that every student, especially traditional students, take at least one fully online course as part of their re- curriculum requirements. Hmm. Yeah, because the way we're operating today, professionally. Remotely. I think we need to learn how to do that more effectively. And I suspect if we were to reflect when we're back on campus in the fall together as professionals about how we worked and what worked well and what didn't, we could inject some of that into our learning communities. We can reflect on what worked well and what didn't in the academic experience for students now and inject that in. So let's, how do we improve that? Ensure that students get that experience, that we learn how to communicate in groups. Remotely. Now they are doing that on their own, right? They they've got the technology to do that on their own. But how do we teach them to do that more professionally? What does it mean to be in a professional working group remotely versus a peer friendly group professionally uh, or personally? So yeah. I, I think we uh, I think there's opportunities for that. But you know, as we think about you know, because I did have someone ask me this before. Well, if we really did do a lot of things differently and that was the way to go why were the numbers still the way they were Hmm. um and I don't know that, well, maybe it's a fair question, but that a couple of things. A, we did make a lot of changes. We could have potentially made the changes too late, depending upon when you enacted all the change. If you sat around and did nothing for six weeks and planned and waited six weeks to do anything very differently when everyone else around you started in three weeks, then you were already behind the game to begin with. But then there's also a certain point where there's so much turmoil externally, those external factors had more impact than what you could create to get folks to feel more comfortable to enroll. So there were certain groups of people that you weren't gonna get regards of what you've done. But the, and, and I want folks to understand that the change and shift in efforts to do what you could do did, may not have resulted in growth, but they did result in having more than you would have had without it. And you don't want to go without that thought and keeping that in mind because we have to understand, yeah, the numbers may not have been what we wanted, but I don't want this to to be so demotivating that you're that upset about. Like we have clients that were down three or 8% in the fall as of July, before the fall started, they were down 30 to 40%.
0: Hmm.
1: Like that's a huge shift. Right. And that, they could have started 20 or 30% down rather than 30 or 40. And yet they're three or eight. That's a, that's a fantastic recovery. Do you also think
0: uh, on that note, like one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is uh, will is as, as part of this year that we've all experienced from a, from a mass sort of like a cultural standpoint, are we going to come out of this, especially as so many schools have moved to test optional and, and many of them have, uh, you know, have, have said that they're going to remain at test optional and you don't have to factor in like the s a t or a c t into sort of like your your admissions process and your college search journey like do you think that we're gonna see this massive disruption and change in how folks think about the application process and like is May one gonna be like this you know thing of the past where it's it's really like hey you you can apply to a college and within forty eight hours hear back and get accepted and start class two days later like when is that going to come
1: about like when is it and, and, oh i you know, don't like, think that's going to happen immediately there has to be enough of that occurring um but what but like I guess to what, force the other ones because you know be the, the same, big brands yeah. can stick to may one sure 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 sure
0: right. but I, but i'm just saying like like as looking out over the next couple of years few years here right like think about right this this generation right of students who is used to they're the Uber Eats the DoorDash generation the Amazon Prime generation right like instant gratification uh you know you fill out a form you get what you want right what like when when are we going to see schools and is this i guess what i'm saying is like is this an opportunity uh for uh, the 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 have nots um to again have nots typically you know have have not and so the infrastructure required to to build something like this out is is probably at least immediately somewhat out of reach um, but is this an opportunity for for, for for folks to sort of like rethink deadlines to rethink uh, how they how they tell students right like it, especially if they're looking at numbers over the summer and they're looking really 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 rough like why aren't we why aren't more colleges and universities able to offer 48 hour turnaround time and i i I know like the practical reasons why but like surely that has to be where things are moving like surely that has to be the direction that some schools are are thinking about exploring right
1: i think the have-nots can can definitely do that um the the haves actually might struggle more and exactly in that turnaround because they have x number of spots to allocate. And they're not going to turn something around in 48 hours that's submitted on November one when they know they've got another month worth of applications to receive where they can improve the quality of that class sure. so whether the halves mean you are a Penn State or a Harvard yeah. or a I don't know Berkeley College of Music you know those institutions and I'm, and I'm assuming they're all going to be doing well this fall um, you know they uh, have that quantity. And 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 therefore the opportunity to better quote unquote shape the class they want. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that forty-eight hours they don't want that. Now the question is, how does I don't know Turnaround University? I don't want to throw any names out there, but let's, how does Turnaround University say, "Hey, we're going to give you that decision forty-hour, forty-eight hours," and you turn that to their advantage? Yeah, yeah. So that they. Because they you know they know if they're head to head against Penn State they lose eight out of ten times yeah. so how can I you're not gonna flip it so that you win eight out of ten times at least not in any short or midterm um, shift of things but can we get uh instead of two out of ten can we get three out of ten or four out of ten and what does turning it around in forty eight hours do to help me do that and that by the way what I don't want folks to do is to say yes I want to do that and expect that. That in itself does it. it. I think it's going to be that plus other things. Of course, yeah, yeah. So you've got an answer. You know you're in. This is what else I can do for you to get you to want to be in and not worry whether or not you're in at Penn State. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so no, those I, are things, and,
0: and, right? And, and Yeah, and, and I'm specifically thinking about folks, yeah, who are struggling right, right now to identify true UVPs and or like have enrollment numbers that aren't where they need to be. It's like, what would it look like to be able to to launch something like this and to be able to fulfill something like this forty eight hour turnaround time because again like what and and strategically targeting this like right as like uh you know uh April one sort of uh decisions come out right and it's like, oh well hey, you didn't get into your your school of choice right or whatever um you know whatever the school's, school's deadline is and how like how could these you know second tier even third tier uni- colleges and universities capitalize on that of like hey like we're still here and we'll give you a deadline uh, or we'll give you an answer within 48 hours from now like just start the application we'll review and and, and you can complete again as you're saying like the the one percent the the elite institutions right like uh not going to be a great candidate here but I I think like, I guess what I'm getting at is like speed to decision, right? Like helping people understand very quickly if they're in or out or if they have the possibility of being in and out, that has to be a unique value proposition that some school, some schools at some point will, will take advantage of. And I think like though, as folks think about coming out of this time and as folks think about, you know, virtual opportunities in a post pandemic world. That's got to be on, on, you know, at the, at the top of, of, of someone's mind. If, if they're, if, you know, if they are struggling to articulate a, a different difference. So
1: here's, here's what, here's what I'll tell you, Zach. I, um, I'd say that might be something on their mind, not necessarily changing of dates, but trying to what's on their mind, maybe rethinking things, changing the dates, may not be at the top of the priority. And here's here's why. And it's not necessarily the, 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 the best answer, but I'll tell you why. You know, there are things that you can do that you, as you think about what we can do differently as a choice to rethink this entire operation and, and our process of attracting, engaging, and enrolling students. But there are other changes that will continue to force your hand that you'll focus on. For example, what you've already referenced is that score optional piece. Yeah. That's gonna impact you more faster than the deadline will. And so you have to think about address and address that because as fewer and fewer students take these tests, that's fewer and fewer names you're buying. And that's gonna impact your pipeline more. and so you have to figure out how to offset that now you can think about deadlines and all this that that entire process but you you can't think about that necessarily ahead of what you're doing with your pipeline if if and most schools do get names from that and use those names so but if that's a part of it then um you know, then I think that that will end up being a bigger priority for you to your institutions. We think about timing when we're working with them from an enrollment perspective all the time, because so many of those students come in at the very last minute. And a lot of our efforts are, um, how can we take this 35% of your fall student body that walk in the door on August one or July 21, how can we back that up and have them walk in three or four weeks earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Now I'd love to say, how can we get them in three months earlier? But typically when I'm working with a school, it's already may, I don't have the luxury of saying, let's talk three months earlier. Let's figure out what can we do to get them to take action three weeks earlier so that when August comes around, we have more time to give to the right students. Because if I circle back to the whole conversation about the, um, about this virtual opportunity, you know, again, we're talking underserved students being the ones who are least likely to enroll or re-enroll. And those are also most often the students that are walking in an August one. Yeah. And so we need to be able to give the right students the right amount of support and having some of them get there earlier for a two-year institution is one of the ways to do that. Now I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, change in general, you know, there's a great book. I, I, I've probably read it four or five times, and I reference it a lot with clients. Um, by Chip and Dan Heath. I don't know if you know those your brothers. Stick? Uh, no, that's no. the marketing book. I knew that's the one you read uh, all of them, Zach. <laughs> and that's that's a good marketing uh, book. This one's called Switch. Um, I think how to I think Switch how to make change when change is hard or something like that. But anyway, uh, it, the book is called Stick. And one of the components they have in the book is they talk about how to enact change is they call finding the bright spots. And I, you know, as we think about increasing virtual opportunities, we need to be looking at what we did and understand what may have worked and what may not have worked. You don't have to recreate the entire wheel for virtual experiences next year yeah, necessarily, because you sh- you've done so many different things. If you can find what did actually work well, that's your starting point. Let's keep that, expand that, improve that. That's finding the right spots. When you're looking at a lot of things, you know, that when you're struggling to make change or struggling to get numbers where you want them to be, find what is working for you and how do you expand upon that? And given the topic of this, we're talking virtual opportunities, which you've done a lot of. What did work and how do we build on that? That is, that's going to be important. Now, I'm going to say this because I hear this a lot. Well, we don't we don't necessarily know or know how to find what worked. Um, and that's a problem. And I know we had a lot thrown at us in the past year, but let's just say this summer is our line in the sand. Yeah. Because if you don't know, and you know you don't know, then by next summer you need to be able to say you know. And if you don't, I'm people may not like this statement. If you don't know by summer, to me, that's a dereliction of duty. Yeah, yeah. If I am charged as a director, dean, vice president, whatever that title is, but if I'm charged in making this class and I don't have that information now and, and I know I don't have it and I still don't have it next year, shame on me. I failed. Does it mean I'm a bad person? Does not mean I'm a failure as a whole? It just means I failed at that piece. But that's a critical piece. And if, and, it, and if you are listening to this and you don't think you have that data and you don't think you have the ability to get it, find me outside of this podcast. You email me, email Zach. We will talk with you and help you find that path because that is critical. You have to do that. Yeah. You have to know what's working and what isn't at this point because we're getting at a level. We're starting to get at a level of improvement and general baseline operation where if you don't have that data, you are guessing in the dark. Yeah.
0: And, and I mean, to be totally fair too, it's like technology has come such a long way that like it is unacceptable to blame like a lack of resources on being able to have the tools that you need to, to garner this insight. Like you don't need the Cadillac, right. As, as, as you'd say, Mickey, but like, you at least yes. need you at least need a Kia, right? And like it's yes. we it is just no longer acceptable to not have a CRM that can provide you baseline insight into whether or not your strategies are or are not working.
1: Yep. We still have clients using spreadsheets. Uh, and I don't love it. But if if for some reason you really can't have a CRM, use the spreadsheet. It's one column of data that says how did the student what made this student contact us? Or why did they attend this event? And you put it in there. You classify it as a pick list, you know, so you can have some way to sort and some way to report on it. But you find a way. Yeah, yeah. We've got to know that information. And you're going to see in the next 10 years some much more dramatic shifts and improvements in how we engage with students digitally we've we've been seeing it in the the, the technology's been there for years but higher ed starting to catch on this pandemic helped that a little bit um, but let's talk a little bit more so so if we think if we if we know the changes there and we want to find the bright spots what are some of those bright spots or what are some new spots things that we can try that we haven't been doing and zach I think we talked about this. Uh, on our on our last conversation you know is there are what type of pre-recorded video content can we have out there that provide that virtual experience virtual doesn't have to be live yeah yeah
0: it doesn't have to be and 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 honestly sometimes it shouldn't be like i think that we we trick ourselves into thinking like okay we need to have this like you know bi-weekly zoom office hour sort of experience and like, you know, you get three people there and it's a lot of work and a lot of prep and maybe you're lucky to get 10 there and, and your, your counselors, your, your, your team, you know, it's a lot of work and they might be defeated if only a few people show up to the, you know, Q and A session or whatever it is. Instead, like you, there are so many tools out there. Like loom is one of my favorites. Um, I think, I, I think we've talked about loom on this, this podcast before, but I think I'm going to just, you know, record, uh, content and uh, deliver it in an asynchronous format that people consume on their own time right this isn't high level video production like this doesn't have to be sort of like a brand you know uh, promo or anything like that this is just you you could walk through the same like faq slide deck that you do have but like it's your face the admissions counselor's face and their screen and they're walking it through and it's, you know, 10, 12 minutes and people can watch it on their own time. And then you can, you can know, right? Because Loom gives you access to this data. And by the way, you know, Loom is free, or there's like a ten dollar a month charge for like their premium uh offer. You can understand who is watching that, how much of the video that they've watched, right? And follow up with
1: them. Um, you know, See, for,
0: for nurturing later on.
1: Yep. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you don't need a CRM for that. Yeah. You don't need thousands of dollars for that. You could have zero dollars. Or you can have uh, maybe $120, but I think most schools can afford $120. And it's not about just having the content. It's about knowing not just it's, – it's not also about knowing how many people watch it. We want to know how many. But it's also knowing who watched it. Exactly, exactly. That's a, that's an important piece because that helps us build out the next action. But let me just talk about also additional online content. You know, why don't we record some of those conversations or lectures that faculty give? Let, let's let's do that. and, and Look, not everybody's the same, but you know at your institution, if you're listening to this, you know that there's a certain professor that everybody loves. And one of my top two professors in my undergraduate days um, was not a major uh, a professor from my major. It was the U.S. history instructor um, who taught you Know, I don't know what all courts he taught, but for me, he taught, um, you know, U.S. history 1865 to present. Professor Mark Smith, now I know that's that's um, might sound like a, a common name, and I'm not making it up. It is <laughs> Professor Smith, um, who was British, by the way, teaching U.S. history, which to me was irony at the time in a different way. But, um, you know, this is a gentleman who walked in the room now, this was a few years ago, so we didn't have. The technology in the classroom but you know we he would walk in five minutes before the course started um as soon as the class before us in that room came out he was the first in line to get in that room and would fill the 30-foot wall of that chalkboard with terms that we're going to cover in that one day an hour and 15 minutes and he flew through all of those terms it was amazing high energy uh and, and I drooled, and this is probably the only course I ever took where I was that engaged and enthralled. You know, Imagine if we took someone like that and recorded them and used that as a way to talk about, let's talk about what your experience is here. Now, granted, every professor is not like that, and that's not going to be the full experience of someone, but that's going to be enough to get their attention. Let's do that. Um, let's talk about, you know, because one of the things you were talking about, you know, can you record this 12-minute um, kind of question and answer session and people being disappointed. If, if you only have a few people show up. Yeah. Yeah. Less. Um, so when I, aside from this being enhancing virtual experiences, let's talk about expectations because if I'm leading the group, I want to let my team know if you're disappointed because you had six people show up, that's not the expectation we need to have. We're not necessarily trying to have 50, 50 would be great, but 50 is also unrealistic yeah yeah so we are creating an event for six people and when six show up great success if eight (laughs) show up even better if four show up that's fine but we're creating something small and let's do small and be okay with small what if small is better i've seen i've we've we've got schools out there that are doing now these are not virtual these are back to person um I've heard of a sunset campus tour, the campus tour. It's a sunset tour. I love the name.
0: That's a beautiful, yeah, that's a fantastic I want to go to
1: the campus and have a cocktail walking yeah. across yeah. seeing campus. I love it. It is a small event. Why can we not create small events virtually and be okay with that? And why not have something maybe an invite only conversation with the dean? We share the video of Professor Smith lecturing and have an invite only conversation with Professor Smith.
0: I love this. I love this. Keep going, keep
1: going. Our alumni, you've got some friends that graduated or some students that you recruited years ago that you're still in touch with. Why not have an event with them? And by the way, this can be live, it can be pre recorded, but I don't want just a, a panel about it, uh, your experience at, at, I don't know, uh, awesome university with this alum. Let's talk about. Uh, alum who's who's doing a general conversation or it's pitched as a general conversation um how i got promoted from my education
0: Mm,
1: yeah and you know brian's going to talk about that uh he's doing the session he's talking about it i'm going to i wanted to invite you to this because we've been talking you've been talking about your career and you know you're a non-traditional student and and how you haven't been able to get promoted and i know you're considering education as one of those routes to get you promoted just why don't you sit and listen to Brian? I can get you an invite. Here's a link. Listen to that. It's that simple. All, it's that simple. It's, and it's things that you kind of were already doing or thinking about and you may have done in the past that weren't necessarily virtual that you want to do that. And now what I would say is how do we kick it up a notch? How do we turn that in to uh, something that's a more memorable experience? And and how do we then say, hey, Brian, I know you are, Zach, I know you uh, sat in and saw Brian, what did you think? Yeah. What would be your path, do you think, if you had that credential, you know, that we get you that promotion? What type of role at your company do you think you could get? Awesome. You know, that type of conversation. Let's plan and prepare staff for how to follow up. I uh, will say, in terms of additional ideas, things that, that I've heard some VPs talk about in the past. And so uh, I've heard some, some senior enrollment executives say, hey, and this is pre-pandemic. I want to get our team off the road. I don't want to have to travel all this time. We spend way too much time energy traveling. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just spend a year not doing it. Now, I'm not saying go pull the trigger and stop it altogether. But this is an opportunity to expand uh, on not traveling. We didn't, you know, what schools can you not hit this year? Also,
0: and if yeah, you're worried yeah. about it,
1: and it well, if you're worried about it, let's find a school that we typically get some students from. And when I say some, whatever number is right for you, it could be five. It could be 30, but something where you get regular numbers from. Someone that you have a good relationship with their counseling team. Why don't we tell them we had some good experiences with some virtual stuff last year. But they were varied. And I want to work with you to figure out how can we, and you can do this later on with other schools, by the way, when we figure it out, but how can we work together to create the right, the best type of virtual experience where they can connect with us? Yes, it may mean we're not physically there on campus, but it might mean they get 10 times the opportunities to connect with us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, and and I think what it really is, Mickey, and and you're hitting on this so well, is it's... there is no sort of one size fits all here, but I think what does fit all is this constant need for like the physical and the virtual are not going to be these like, separate things anymore right like they really yes. need to work in tandem so like yes you're on that camp, that beautiful sunset campus tour well before you the tour wraps up right you should have everyone get out their phones scan a qr code if, if people still do that uh, i guess qr codes kind of came back for a hot second because of the pandemic and uh at least at, at restaurants <laughs> Um, For a hot second, yeah, yep. the, um, and, and have, you know, hey, go to this web, you know, go to our, our you know, set up a vanity URL, sunset tours at university, you know, .com, .edu, whatever it is, um, and say, hey, sign up here. We've got lots of great video content that is going to show you students' perspectives, that you know, more student perspectives than we were able to showcase today or something like that, right? Have people, yep. while they're there, you have their attention. Everyone has a smartphone. Have them do that. That's an indicator. Then you can track everything that they're doing with your content from there on out right and like those are the sorts of things it's the marriage between the physical and the virtual historically we've thought about these as two separate things we call them digital events digital events are just gonna be events right oh yes. it, oh yeah yeah please I'm up take a- digital I'm si- out of yeah, the title i'm signing up for an event great cool um where's it happening oh it's happening on zoom right like that's what it's going to be or oh it's happening you know at uh the admissions office whatever it might be we're going to figure out what kind of event it is when we talk about the location not the actual event itself so love it uh huge 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 fan of everything that you're saying um we got just a couple minutes left um before we need to we need to wrap this episode uh what are what are your kind of final final parting words for folks mickey
1: so um, two, two things I'll add before I give parting words, and I'll try to keep all of it together within two minutes for you. A, um, when, you, when we talk virtual and you, you want to see, we want to get people to show up, you know, instead of physically mailing out all the brochures that you did, or maybe in, in addition to that, if I want you to attend a special event I'm inviting you to with the dean or something like that, why don't we just send you some popcorn? to go on popcorn with the Dean and the popcorn arrives on your doorstep two days before the event. That's just a way to get you to attend because that's one of the things I hear about folks is, yeah, we've got these things, but people don't show up. They still may not show up, but the likelihood of showing up is much greater if you're giving them something to show up with. We're going to have, we're going to have snacks with the Dean instead of dinner with the Dean. We're sending you the snacks ahead of time uh, with this, with your special invite that may even maybe the invite has the link to attend. I don't know. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll throw that out there. And then the other thing is you were talking about, yes, it's a blended uh, interest now. Some is physical, some is, um, digital, virtual, um, blended. But I, I think I would like to see more schools ask students specifically what type of experience they want.
0: Mm,
1: yeah. Not just in how they, in the coursework they're enrolling in. Do you want this more virtual opportunity to connect with us? Uh, and get a, that's a, that's a piece of data you're using uh and that helps direct some of the content and customize it in a way and not keep inviting the digital things if they don't want it. Uh so uh I do that. So the I think the parting words beyond that Zach, are, are are this. We've made changes this year because we had to. Yeah. But there are nuggets of gold in the changes we made of things that would that worked. Whether or not we know they worked or not because we've not looked yet. That's that's happened. This is your opportunity to keep some of that and persist to help you stand out more and it is our duty I've used that word a few times already it's our duty to do that and I'll pause and end there
0: beautiful, 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 and I guess the last uh the last thing I would just add on to that, Mickey is you know it is your duty, and you're also not alone like there are so many resources out there, starting with you know the the two of us. And if you are sort of feeling like you're in this pickle and you believe everything that Mickey's outlined, but just genuinely feel like you're stuck for whatever reason, for whatever lack of resource, I, you know, I like to think that the two of us, between the two of us, we have access to lots of resources, lots of ideas, lots of people, lots of software companies that, that we know that, you know, we, we can at least point you in, in the right direction if you're feeling a little bit lost.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you, sir. This was fun. Um, That's a wrap on summer session number one. So excited for number two next week. Have a great week, sir. And we'll chat soon.
1: Thank you. And thank you all for listening.
0: friends, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you have an idea for a topic you think we should cover on this show or riff on, please feel free to reach out directly to me at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. And I will bring it up with Mickey, and we will chat about it on an upcoming episode. So again, that's Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. And reach out if you have questions, comments, thoughts, ideas for
1: things that we should be talking about. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next week.